Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. What's up, everybody? This is Lavelle Neal with a quick update because uh, there was a seismic eruption on the free agent landscape late Friday night, early Saturday morning when the Twins, you know, not the Yankees, not the Red Sox, not the Dodgers or Angels, the Twins signed the top free agent player on the market in shortstop Carlos Correa to a three-year, $105.3 million contract. There's opt-outs after each of the first two years, uh, but for at least one year, the Twins are going to have one of the best players in baseball in their infield. Um, just to give you an idea of how grave a player Correa is, he had a 7.2 war last year. He's one of the best in baseball. The Twins have not had a shortstop with a seven war since Zolio Versailles won the MVP award in the 60s. And since then, the highest war for a twin shortstop is yours truly, or our dear friend, Roy Smalley. So we'll have Smalley talk about that, plus the impact of the Correa signing on Saturday when we host live from 11 Wells Distillery located off Minnehaha Avenue uh, near downtown St. Paul. That's right. We're broadcasting live from 11 Wells. Check us out. Let's talk about Carlos Correa. Let's talk about the Twins lineup. Let's talk about whatever moves they may have up their sleeve. Well, you know, it's funny because the, the cool thing about podcasts is that you can access them, access them anytime you want. But there's also that danger that as soon as you open your mouth and do a podcast, it becomes yesterday's news within a second. And I think that's what happened last week on the Chin Music Show. As soon as it uh, hit the uh, internet, the interwebs, as some people call it, Major League Baseball ended their lockout. So <laughs> so we're going to try to kind of catch up with that today. I'm here. This is Lavelle E. Neal III. I'm with Twins legend Roy Smalley. Jim Suhan is off this week because he is out of the country or, well, he's in Puerto Rico, so it depends if you consider that part of the country or not. He's going to visit the island of Puerto Rico. Let's just say that. Anyway, Roy, uh, welcome to the show. Um, sorry I wasn't around last week to to, to uh, have a debate about what baseball should do to end the lockout, because now the lockout's over, and we now we have baseball. It uh, is what it is now, so it doesn't matter. I know. I, I, what was your reaction when you found out that the players and the owners finally got together after... 99 days of a lockout, 43 days of no negotiations, and they finally move forward on key issues to get this done. Yeah, in, in like an hour and a half. It, that's what my reaction was. The last thing we heard, as a matter of fact, we talked about this in the podcast, Jim and I did, that the uh, Manfred comes out with a statement that says, basically, take or leave. This is our last offer. And, and I said... You know that's putting the players in a situation where, and well, you were you you talked about this too. And that must have been on that show, Lavelle. It you know you said it, trying to break the union, and that was that was the the sense. Not that they would literally break up the 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 whole union, but that they were. My my reaction to that was they're putting the players in an untenable position. They're putting them in a position where now they really think that uh, they got to dig their heels in, whereas before. 
there was probably some ideas about negotiating. All of a sudden, negotiations over. Well, okay, fine. We, you know, from a player's standpoint, I said, fine. You don't want to start the season? We won't start the season. Fine with me. And then all of a sudden, from that stance, which I thought, this is, this is a problem. Then like, it seemed like the next hour, you hear that, oh, they're really close, and they're going to get something done tomorrow, and sure as heck they did. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, it's rather remarkable. And I, I think the players, they're pretty good in this deal. Um, I still maintain that. The last thing they should have been complaining about is tanking. I mean, what's their, why do they care if teams tank? Because the Houston Astros tanked in the early 2010s, I believe, and they became a powerhouse because of that. And once, when the team decides to tank, you're actually giving the players an opportunity to play and get good and earn big contracts. It provides an opportunity to young guys to kind of get established in their majors. So I never knew that one, but they got a higher minimum salary. Um, some uh, players with two years of experience can get some bonus money. Um, what was the other the other key issue I thought they did well on? Um, oh, draft pick compensation. You know, well, for now, it's not going to be used as long as they come to an agreement on how to approach the international draft. So I, I thought the players did pretty well with this deal. What'd you yeah, think? Yeah, they raised the uh, they they re- raised the um, maximum the, the salary cap uh, limit as well. So not, I know that's something that the, <clears throat> the you know the players got a uh, a, a salary cap um, raise without having to go to a uh, floor, you know, without without a minimum. So you know there there were a lot of things that that, that worked in the in the players in the player's favor. So good for them, but it's over. Let's, let's play some, play some, talk some ball. Absolutely. Uh, one quick thing too. I know for talking from some twins people, they weren't happy about that, that salary cap or that luxury tax threshold going up because they were like, we're never going to have like a $210 million payroll. So now you're going to give the Yankees even more flexibility to outbeat us, you know? So the smaller and mid market teams, probably were grumbling the most about that. Oh, well, you know, there are four teams that, it, that it ha- makes any difference to yeah you know i mean it's crazy that's why the, the thing that i that i don't like about it and and we should get to you know talking about twins and baseball and stuff get off all this labor stuff the contract stuff but but and i think we talked about this before as well there are four teams that you know the luxury tax is ever this the salary cap is ever going to be an issue and with it as high as it is you're exactly right it just it it makes the Everybody but those four teams or six teams or you know pick a number. Everybody at a big disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's just let's just wrap up. I was going to put a bow on it. I don't want to put a bow on labor negotiations because it shouldn't have been like gotten. It should have taken this long. Let's just throw that in a box and dump it over our shoulder and and move on to uh, twins because as soon as the CBA was ratified by the players and then the owners, uh, teams can make moves. And guess which team made the first trade after the lockout ended? The Minnesota Twins. Mitch Garver to the Texas Rangers uh, for, you know, I'm a Mala's name. Kinder uh, Falafa. Yeah, Isaiah Kinder Falafa and uh, a double-A pitcher who's 5'10 and 155 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and for that, they allowed. Now, I was really surprised by the outrage on Twitter uh, about losing Garver. Basically, they thought that the Twins are trading Johnny Bench for a, a, a slap-hitting shortstop. It was like Garver had a, a tough year in 2020. He had an injury plague. Actually, his last two seasons were injury plagued, and he didn't perform as well as he normally does. He did have an OPS of 800 last year. Um, so, and they needed a shortstop. So they have Kiner Falafa, 
Ed Short, a former Gold Glove winner. Okay, fine. They got their shortstop, Lucy Ford. But little do we know, the Yankees were apparently finished second in that negotiation to trade for Falafel, kind of Falafel, and called the Twins like a day later saying, is there any chance we can get kind of Falafel from you? And actually, you know, once the Yankees were willing to take on all of Josh Donaldson's salary, they said, let's go. So what did you think about how all that played out? <clears throat> kind of in chronological order, to kind of the way, as you were describing, I really liked the kind of Falefa deal because that kid could play some shortstop, and 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 he's a tough hitter. He's, he's not just a slap hitter. He's a, I, I think he's got a chance to be. He's two seventy hitter. I think he's got a chance to be better than that. Uh, but he can play some shortstop, and you got to have a guy that can. You, you got to have a guy to play short. I mean, you just you have to have. Uh, somebody that's a, a good enough combination of defense and offense in in uh, in this day and age and and or in any in any day and age actually so I liked the deal then they turn around and trade him they give themselves a hole at shortstop um, unless you know Urshela you know they I guess Urshela is slated to go in there but what I liked I actually did like that uh, like that deal I think Gary Sanchez has got a chance to uh, regain some real offensive firepower. I think, I think that was worth taking a chance on. Gio uh, Urshela can play the heck out of third base. And, it, but the most important thing about that was, let's go back to the, to the Josh Donaldson acquisition. Twins signed Donaldson and basically it was, uh, we're just going for it, right? As a guy's 30, you know, early thirties, when you signed, signed him a five-year deal, boatload of dough. When you do that, you got to, you're going for it. You got to get there, right? And you got to get there because of the risk. The risk involved is you've got an older guy that's making a ton of money that no one will take. And now that's just eats at your, at your payroll and it makes it tough for a, a mid-market team to fill out the rest of the roster that they really need to do. I mean, we've seen that, we've seen that movie, movie before. So, I'm a huge Josh Donaldson fan. I was glad they got him. I, you know, even even though the the big risk that they were taking from a economics standpoint, it worked out well when he was healthy. But he wasn't healthy enough, uh, you know. And so to be able to find somebody that would take on that salary and get the the two players that they got that will fit in somewhere for sure. I think fit in nicely somewhere for sure. The whole thing hinged. I, I thought that was a nice deal that they freed up all that Donaldson money. Now they got to do something with that. That if, if they're going to make that deal, <clears throat> great. They got rid of that Donaldson money because. Well, I'm just going to go say it. They got to go get Trevor Story. <laughs> I've been saying that for a while, <laughs> and because then because because of the player Story is, but also because of the player that Urshela is at third base. I mean that's where. That's where he belongs. And I know Jose Miranda and, you know, all that stuff. But I, I think if they're able to get story or they're able to sign two pitchers, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, I've been talking about it. They can't go out and sign two pitchers. There aren't two pitchers that are going to, that they're going to make that big a difference that, that they can afford. I mean, they're just not out there, but all of a sudden now they've got, you know, they've got extra money and you know, who knows what might be able to happen. Absolutely. Before we go further, I want to thank our sponsors, starting with Corona. Eleven Wells Distillery. I'll be talking about them later in the show. Perfect Ash, Ash, Shikar, Cigars and Pipes. Memorial Blood Centers and Better Edge. We have a great lineup of sponsors. We thank them very much for their support. And uh, we ask you to support them in kind. So, um, 
yeah, you're right about getting Trevor's story and the Donaldson thing. The two, the thing I, I, I read a fascinating story uh, regarding Trevor's story because I mentioned him in the column that the Twins were trying to sign him. And I immediately got emails from fans about his road, his home road splits are terrible. They're awful. I write, I, I read a real thoughtful piece about that, saying that if you're a hitter in Coors Field and a visiting pitchers come into that ballpark and find that, that they're breaking stuff is not breaking the way it normally does, they're going to be more fastball intensive. And that plays into the hitter's train of thought and their approach. When the Rockies go on the road, okay, now they have to make an adjustment to see more breaking balls, reacting to pitches that are breaking better than they normally see at Coors Field. And historically, it seems like most of their hitters have had home road splits that are Every yeah, right. all of them, yeah. all of them. You play in that ballpark. Yeah, it's it's almost a, a subtraction by addition because because you're so good in your in Colorado. Yeah. Right. So the thing is here that the argument is is Trevor Story gets out of Coors Field. He may be more of an even in terms of a split splits. As each splits may actually even out instead of staying volatile between home and road. Yeah, he, I mean, I. I, I Look, it's it's all a matter for a hitter. It's all a matter of uh, uh, comfort, comfort and repetition, right? And and the repetitions when you have that big a spread between what pitches you're going to see eighty one games worth and what pitches you're going to see in the other eighty one games worth, uh, that's 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 different. And it it was an adjustment for a, a lot of us uh, getting used to the Metrodome. Uh, in back in the old days, it, and it was. But once we did, that was one of the huge advantages that that we had because players would come in there and they, you know, they, you talk about guys not being able to see the ball up in the roof. They weren't seeing the ball really well at the plate, uh, to, as well as I felt like we did. I think for a hitter with the talent of Trevor Story, he gets out of the ballpark on steroids that uh, collar, you know, that's that's Coors Field. And sees the same kind of pitches day in, day out. I think that evens things out. I, I agree with the article. Excellent. Excellent. I figure a hitter with your, with your reputation in history would understand something like that. So um, so now they're also looking at um, Freddie Montes as a starting pitcher. Um, oh, let's, before I get to that point, in between those two trades, the Twins also dealt for Sonny Gray. Um, they sent uh, their first dra- first overall draft, first round draft pick from a year ago, Chase Petty, to the Reds for Sonny Gray and a minor league pitcher who's so obscure that I couldn't find any information on him on the internet. So, but so we're not going to mention him. But uh, Sonny Gray is 32 years old. He is a professional guy. Um, throws four pitches. He's actually his combination of pitching style is rather fascinating. Um, he's a strikeout guy and a ground ball guy. I don't think you see. A lot of pitchers with that type <laughs> and a, of traits. And a big pitch count, slow, in-between pitches guy. Oh, is he? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. It's gonna, they're going to they're gonna have – they want to try to speed up the game. They're going to have a hard time when uh, when Sonny Gray's on the mound. Now, he's <clears> – <throat> I think he's gotten better. But that just – I remember talking to Twins hitters when he was in the league and uh, he was going to be pitching. And they said, oh, man, he's, here we go. He's just got nibble, 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 nibble. You know, just throw so many pitches and stuff. But hey, he, he's on the Twins team now. They're gonna like they're gonna like him because he's gonna give him a chance to win when he goes out there. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a good track record. He's thirty two, which he still is kind of in his prime. 
Um, I'm thinking more toward 2023 with him because he'll be under control for a year uh, for that for that year as well. And Kenta Maeda will be back. He'll probably be recovered from Tommy John surgery. Well, it was more than Tommy John surgery. They did Tommy John and they did the uh, yeah, I was the, the primary repair <laughs> surgery as well, which I've never heard of before. <laughs> but um, both those guys are going to be in line because I don't I don't expect Maeda to pitch this year. He actually said in spring training a few days ago that. If the Twins make the playoffs, he would try to pitch. But I think he was trying to be nice and saying, I'm not pitching this year. But next so. year, you have Maeda and Gray at the front of the rotation with young players with another year of experience like Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober, plus all those prospects they've been they've been kind of congealing at A and AA will be at AAA and ready to break in. I, I think the Twins did very well by getting that type of pitcher to enter their rotation this year in Sonny Gray. Yeah, I think uh, they get um, Sonny Gray uh, now and and sign another pitcher. And I know you're going to talk about uh, Montas here, um, but somebody like that, then all of a sudden, you know, it it gives you a chance through through a uh, three or four game series, uh, week in week out. It's it gives you a better chance than what we we're looking at before, uh, you know, before Sonny Gray and any any uh, potential signee. So. Um, like I said, they've got they got money to spend. Right, exactly. And now this is a crucial time for the Twins because they've saved fifty million dollars over the next two years by moving Donaldson's contract. They're also talking to talking about trading for Frankie, Frankie Montas, who's a very talented pitcher. I think he was thirteen and nine last year with ERA in like the, around the three five three six range. Uh, a very effective guy. Um, and Throws hard. Talking yeah, about good, good fastball trying to sign Trevor Story. To me, the Donaldson trade can't be judged until we see what they do with the extra money they have and um, and how they execute a possible Frankie Montas trade. Yep, I, I totally agree. It's, that's that's what I was – you said it more succinctly than I did in my little uh, ramble about uh, the, the trades, but uh, but that's exactly what, it, what I uh, was getting at. I really – as much as I like Josh Donaldson, I really like that trade – if they spend the money and, and get two players that are going to immediately help them win, then all of a sudden the players they got from the Yankees and the two they add for you know, trading Donaldson, that then the, the whole thing makes it makes an awful lot of sense to me. Yeah, and if they if they end up with Story and Montas, now you could say, okay, yeah, they are trying to compete next year, especially if you put Montas in their rotation right now with with Gray and pushing. Uh, Ryan and Bailey over back a spot in the rotation and getting whatever you can out of Dylan Bundy. You know, Bundy could be a bounce back guy. He you know? could be. It, we'll see because he's transitioning from a guy who used to throw hard to a guy who has to pitch now. You know, he has to be the pitchability factor is going to be big with him now. We have to see if that's if that's going to if he's able to complete that change or not. But um, I'm I'm anxious to see what the Twins are going to do here in the next few days as far it, as yeah I am too. It, you know, it they're really in a they're they're in a a. a um, right on the edge uh, situation uh, going either way. I mean, when you think about it, Urshela is not a shortstop. I mean, he can play shortstop, but that's not the, that's not the ultimate answer. You know, I, I don't believe it at uh, shortstop for the twins. Sanchez is Sanchez, right? He's a tremendous offensive potential, not a good defensive uh, catcher. Good guy to have on your team when to not only catch, but DH against left-handed pitchers, uh, you know, maybe that, I mean, just add another big bat, you know, so they, they've got some stuff coming here, right? And, and but 
they're not there yet, and they are kind of on the precipice of, okay, are we going to spend this $50 million you talk about, the Donaldson savings, and and really try to help the team for this year? Or do we do we just say, you know what, we're not there yet. 23, to your point, 23 is going to be the year because we got some kids coming, and 23 is the year, so we don't want to blow out the budget this year. It's it's not we're not going to have enough no matter what no matter what we do. They're in a real precipice type of situation where they've got to make it. They've got to make a decision, and it could go badly either way. If they're if they re, if they're they fall toward the rebuild, fans aren't going to be happy. If they go for it and spend a lot of money and don't get there with players that don't quite exactly fit in the spots that they are, that they were would be the best, then they really haven't advanced, you know? So they're, they're still in, in my view, they're still in a bit of a precarious situation. Montas, I mean, just let's, let's go to the ultimate. They, they, all of a sudden Montas and Story are Minnesota twins. And now you know which way they're going. Now things would look immediately better. Absolutely. If, if they don't, if they just, if they don't do, if they don't go big like that, they're teetering on. Uh, okay, now, w- which way do we go? All right. Uh, before we continue, here's a word from one of our sponsors, Better Edge. Combine your love for competition, social, and sports with Better Edge, the sports betting exchange that actually gives back to its betters. Better Edge is a brand new locally based betting platform meant to connect users and attempt to add some coin to the bank. Completely legal and 100% fun, compete against friends, sports insiders, and yourself with Better Edge in a number of different sports and event competitions. In fact, you can follow me. My username is Sonny Everett on this platform to see what my picks are. Use code CHIN for a free $10 when you sign up by visiting betteredge.com. That's B E T. T-O-R edge.com. And while we're at it, here's a word from Memorial Blood Centers. This month, give blood with local Memorial Blood Centers and you'll make twice the impact. For every unit of blood donated, Memorial Blood Centers will donate $1 to Second Harvest Heartland, helping ensure folks living with food insecurity can get healthy, nutritious food that they need. Double your impact without even having to open your wallet. Learn more about how you can help or schedule an appointment to give blood at mbc.org or call 1-888-448-3253. Your community is counting on you. And Roy, I know you got to be fired up about March 26 because the Chin Music Podcast will be doing a live show at 11 Wells Distillery outside of downtown St. Paul. I'm, it, bourbon, man. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> what could be better? Baseball and bourbon. Love it. Can't wait, ladies and gentlemen. 7 p.m. on March 26th, the Chimmy's Podcast will be broadcasting live from the Levin Wells Distillery uh, located off Minnehaha Avenue just outside of downtown St. Paul. Um, the Levin Wells will have swag bags to give away to customers for asking Q&A for taking part in the Q and a, uh, there'll be distillery tour tours. Um, you will get coupons for every customer for a free drink on their next visit. It, check. I'm going to repeat that. Anyone who shows up for the chair music podcast uh, on March 26th at 11 Wells distillery will get a coupon for a free drink on their next visit. You got to get involved with that. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> plus you could, you could drink their taste their wonderful spirits. Uh, the Minnesota, uh, uh, bourbon whiskey they make is fantastic with an old fashioned. Their their aged rum is fantastic. Um, you don't have to take it our word 
Well, yeah, you have to take our word for it. But still, come and see for yourself. It's just going to be a fantastic evening, and it should be a lot of fun. So join us at 11 Wells Distillery. Okay, um, let's uh, talk a little bit more about Gary Sanchez. Um, where, what do you, what do you think got him in trouble as a hitter at the plate? Uh, what do you remember seeing about his swing, and and how can the Twins kind of repair that? You know, I I think when a young player uh, has a, has a style of hitting that gets him through the minor leagues, gets him to the big leagues, and he bursts on the scene in the big leagues. And the first year or two is really is really good. Making the adjustment to how pitchers will adjust to him after, because every every hitter when they come into the league, every hitter's got some holes. Every hitter's got some vulnerabilities on uh, a series, different series of pitches, and it really is then all about how you adjust back. Uh, if if your mechanics are fairly sound, how you adjust back to the to the way they're pitching. If your mechanics are a little bit less than perfectly sound, they're going to exploit that too. Uh, we see uh, Miguel Sano, for example. You know, I mean, there's there is exploitation of you know, all of all of us hitters. We we get we we know what they're going to do because we hit. You know, I I used to just I spent a, a inordinate amount of time just schooling myself not to swing at high fastballs because. That was that was going to get me out. If I swung a high fastball, that just wasn't going to work. And I had Hardly to, off of him, huh? I had to I had to make him get the ball get the ball down. For for Sanchez, it looked to me like he is uh, a little bit in the uh, Sano mold in terms of wanting to hit the ball a long way to left field all the time. And I think he's got enough talent. And I actually think it's it'll be it'll be an easier transition. Uh, for him, I I don't understand why a hitter as strong as uh, a big strong right hand hitter wouldn't wouldn't set up to hit the ball to right center in Yankee Stadium. I mean, I I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Uh, you can if he throws your breaking ball, you've got a three hundred foot fence, three hundred seventeen or whatever it is down the left field line. That's fine, but everything else, I mean, fastballs and everything out over the plate. You can flip in the right field seats just as just as easily. So Jeter figured that out. Yeah, he, boy, did he ever! <laughs> so uh, you know, I think for Gary Sanchez, I I believe that the change of scenery. Sometimes a, a trade like you know it really hurts a player. Sometimes it really helps. Just the change of scene. Then they don't have to do anything different. Just don't have the pinstripes on right now and and figure out how you fit into the, your new team's lineup. Um, I I don't think it's I I don't think he's that far from you know from finding some some consistency. I've I've always just really liked his talent at the plate. Is there a is there a, a sort of relief out of, from getting out of New York? Because um, I remember when the Twins were looking at Phil Hughes during the off season and Glenn Perkins. So at the time, I didn't know he was friends with Hughes, but they were in the same draft class and everything. He said, "We gotta get Phil Hughes out of we gotta get Phil Hughes out of New York. He'll be a different pitcher as soon as he gets out of there." And you know what? That first year with the Twins, he was great. You know, so is there a bounce you can get from getting out of that environment where where every little flaw is going to be exposed? That's kind of what I'm. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at because Sanchez is not the best defensive catcher. He took a lot of heat, and the thing about playing in New York is you hear it every day in you know from you know forty fifty thousand people on the stands. But then you go home and then you get up the next morning. You read about it in eighty seven newspapers. All you know and. <laughs> And uh, there's a lot of pressure to play uh, there. And I'm not saying that Gary Sanchez couldn't handle the pressure, but 
it's fun to play in Minnesota. I, I mean, I was I played in Minnesota, went to the Yankees, I came back to Minnesota, and it, you take a big sigh of, uh, of relief to some degree because it's just it's it's a lot uh, less uh, intense. And sometimes for players, even if they can handle the pressure in New York, sometimes going somewhere else, you're not pressing so hard to do big things every time you go out there. Just try to shut people up, right? Okay, the guys are on me because as a catcher, I'm not, uh, you know, I've had a couple pass balls or something, the fans are on me and stuff. I got to hit the ball at the ballpark kind of mentality, right? And and I think there's a certain certain amount of relaxation. And, you know, you go to a new team, uh, he, Sanchez knows he's, he can hit, right? So now, you know, let me just show you how I can hit. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, relax and do my thing. I, I think there's a chance that that could happen. Uh, let me ask you another aspect of the Sanchez edition, because he's going to probably be a DH and be, and be more of a backup type catcher. Is it because I was thinking, well, they got to get a third catcher on the roster. But the more I kept thinking about that, I was like, okay, wait a minute here. Um, yes, if Gary Sanchez is, is a DH and Jeffers is catching, and something happens to Jeffers, the Twins are in trouble. But that's just one night because not since their AAA affiliate in St. Paul, they can have the Calvary come in the next day. So, is it imperative they have a third catcher on that roster? You think? I think you th- you'd have to think very seriously about about whether you need that. You know, mm-hmm. for exactly the point that uh, that that you make. And I mean, the big problem is you get you know, you get two guys hurt in the same night, you know, I mean, that, yeah. you know, that's the issue. And that just doesn't happen all, you know, all that often you got, you know, these guys have been catching for a long time and, you know, they you, guys, catchers don't just go down, very, you know, completely out, you know, very often. So I think they look at, they've got to look at their, at their roster as they, as they get ready to break camp and say, where do we need that last player? And and it's I don't think it should be automatic that it's a third catcher at all. Okay, all right. That's what I was thinking too. Um, another thing about the the pitcher staff I'm going to run by you, um, the bullpen. Uh, Rocco Baldelli announced a couple of days ago that Lewis Thorpe and Griffin Jacks are going to be converted to to relief going forward, and that will be the, their opportunity to make the team uh, out of spring training. Um. They still have Taylor Rogers and they have Tyler Duffy and they have Oria Akala, three capable relievers for those last couple of innings. Uh, is it imperative that they find a closer before a season start? Do we just give it to Rogers or are we going to do this committee thing like they tried to last year, which ended up being a disaster? Well, I, I, I don't know that there's anybody you can just give it to. I think they're, and I don't know how they're, how they're thinking. My thinking would be, uh, with the three of those guys that you mentioned, you let somebody emerge, and I think I, I think that Alcala has got uh, has got the best chance uh, of of becoming a, the okay. We're, he's going to be our ninth inning guy. It, 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 I, he's not there yet, but he made some big strides last year. He's got the best stuff. Clearly, I mean, he's he may have the best stuff on the on the staff, and and he has uh, closer potential. Um, he had, got hurt by the long ball uh, last year, but and he got hurt early on with control issues, just going two and zero and three and one on people and walking people and then giving up a home run. He really cut down. He really started throwing a lot of strikes, and with that stuff, when you're throwing strikes, that's you know that's that's really good. So I, I just don't think that they can leave spring training with anybody named as you know the closer. Rocco could say, you know what, I'm, it's going to be a committee, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lean toward Rogers. 
for example, in the ninth, if I have a chance, you know, if I have the choice, uh, you know, Rogers is kind of going to be my ninth inning guy, but I don't think they'll anoint him as a closer. I think they'll let, they'll let either Rogers or Alcala emerge. Did you see they brought our buddy back? I would love, by the way, I would love for that. You know, that's the other thing. You know, we're talking about, uh, you're, you're, you had mentioned that you felt like the Twins looked like they were just a little incomplete. Um, yeah. And and I agree with you. Even if they were to go big and get Mon, get a starter like Montaz and Trevor Story, they still need to close out ball games. And I, I, I will always be of the opinion that, a, a club's got to have a lockdown guy in the ninth inning. And what I like, what I wish that, you know, my wish for the twins would be that they would be able to find that so that these other arms that they have uh, can be, I mean, Alcala is an eighth inning guy before a night, before a ninth inning, you know, absolute lock. That's pretty good. Or uh, Rogers before that's pretty good. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that either Alcala or, or Rogers will really emerge to be a lockdown guy because it's, it, if they had another one, if they had a bona fide one, then all of a sudden your six, seven, eight innings become, look really good. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's, that's when you have a complete ball club, to me, that's kind of what it looks like. Um, it, and they don't, they're not, they're not there yet. If one of these guys emerges as a closer, then seventh and eighth innings before the before the closer look pretty good, but they're they're just not quite there yet. Yeah, because I, I want to see Griffin Jackson and Lewis Thorpe as the mid mid inning reliever yeah. types, and I want to see them in late inning no. uh, situations. Um, Cody Stashak should be back as well, and um, when he's going good, he doesn't walk anybody, and he's not a bad guy to have in that pen. Um, but the guy was pointing out they they re-signed Juan Manaya a few days ago. Uh, you know how I feel we're, about that yeah, kid's arm. I, yeah, we're both fans like of him. Guy. Yeah, we are. We've been, we've talked about him for for a while. I I was hoping that that would be the case that they uh, that they would, um, you know, for all the contractual and you know uh, kinds of reasons that they do these things, they let a guy go and then uh, turn around and re-sign him when uh, at 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 more in more favorable terms or whatever. However, it works out. I just think that there's something there with that stuff that he's got. I, I was just, if he throws strikes, when he throws strikes, not if, when he throws uh, strikes with his three pitches, it, there wasn't anybody, have, there wasn't, was, I did not see one hitter look at all comfortable in the batter's box when he was throwing strikes. Uh, before we wrap up here, I have to uh, mention the Perfect Ash uh, Cigar Shop in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. Uh, less than three miles from a certain chubby sports writer's driveway. Uh, I was there yesterday and enjoyed a nice uh, Liga Privada while watching some NCAA basketball nice. and the Twins lose 14-1 to the Red Sox. Uh, so <laughs> they had six TVs going. We had three different games on, and uh, baseball on the fourth TV and golf on the fifth. Nice. So uh, it, was a, it was a great afternoon there. It's a great lounge to smoke at. It's a fully stocked uh, humidor with over uh, 250 brands of cigars. That's the perfect ash in Inver Grove Heights. Um, finishing up on our closing, closing on the closer situation. Um, the Twins also, uh, the, the A's also have a reliever called Lou Trevino, who's a pretty solid closer. And right, I, if I'm the Twins, I would actually put Aust uh, Austin Martin in a deal if I could get Montas and and Trevino, and I would put Austin Martin as part of a package. Austin Martin, one of the young arms, and uh, I don't know, maybe someone off the major league roster. I don't know who that would be. 
and I would da- dangle them. But I think the A's are in total prospect mode right now. But I would put I I I would add Martin to a deal deal to get the closer and Montas if that's what it takes. I would I would go you one step further or or one step back. I don't know which one, it is, but be I would take Trevino uh, before Montas. Really, I would. I would. I'd go get to. I'd go. I'd go get somebody to anchor the bullpen, and uh, and let Alcala uh, emerge. Let Rogers pitch in. You know, in in the situations where he's best. Um, boy, you're you're really. Uh, it, it's it's a great dream. You got Montas Trevino and Trevor Story. I mean, yes. that's <laughs> that's a uh, that's a wonderful dream. I don't know how. I don't. I don't know how real that. Uh, how that. How real that's going to be. Well, I mean, look at the White Sox. The the bullpen now is Michael Kopech. I think it's still had, uh, Kimbrel, right? From they get added Kimbrel, and now they just signed Joe Kelly. Yeah, and there's there's, there's another, another flamethrower in that bullpen, and I can't remember right now. I mean, my goodness. Uh, um, the the guy that was in Oakland. Um, oh, the former twin, Liam yeah. Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks. Oh yeah, yeah. They just got they yeah, got that's, that, <laughs> that's a uh, that's a holy cow. Get it. Make sure you have the lead by the sixth. No kidding. No kidding. And um, But that's kind of what I'm getting at. In today's game, you know, the starter if I mean they've they've got a they've got a um a stat now and have, you know, for some time this stat of quality starts and it's six innings and give up three runs. I mean, it's a 4.5 ERA. Yeah. You know, I mean it's it and the, the see, that tells you right there that they're building the game around six innings. And if you don't have the staff to close out, it's just to pitch after the starter goes five and two thirds, and you got to get an out in the sixth, and then you got to get nine more outs. Um, that's if if you can't do that, you're not going to win, obviously. And the only way you do that is to have bullpen arms like like the Sox have, or like um, uh, the Dodgers have had, like you know, like Houston has. You know, I mean, that's it, look at the way this. I I, I just think it's a clue. Teams that are in the playoffs, teams that get deep in the playoffs, look at what their pieces are. Yes. And everybody's got somebody that they are happy with in the ninth inning, and they're happy with the, well, a guy in the sixth, and a guy in the seventh, and the guy in the eighth before that. And, you know, and, and they play strong defense up the middle. I mean, that's basically what that's, – that's how you get there. You know, um, I think teams have been doing this for a, a few decades now because – the Yankees, if they led after six, you're getting Mariano Rivera in the seventh and the eighth and John Wetland and in the John ninth, Wetland, and it was like, over. It was over. Today's baseball, you need five pitchers now to get to the <laughs> last three innings of the game. <laughs> That's where we're at in baseball today. So uh, before we sign off, Roy, do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to share? Any music you've been oh, listening you, to? Or? You just – well, I'm a, you, as you know, I mean, you and I are blues guys, and, and I, I, I listen, to, uh, listen to blues all the time. Um, I don't think I don't know if there's anything uh, in particular that uh, that I have, but I mean, you've just I went from last time, last podcast that I remember, Suhan asking me if I had any final thoughts. I was I was depressed. <laughs> there was no baseball. It was just like it didn't it didn't look good. You've given me all this hope now. I <laughs> well, we're talking the, ball now. There's substance yeah, my, now. My 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 uh, my fervent wish. Is that the uh, the twins make that Donaldson trade make a lot of sense by using that fifty million bucks that you're talking about to to really upgrade the club and and 
there's a lot of ways to do that. They can they can even upgrade the club for 2023 with and beyond with 50 million dollars. But just you're presented with situation. You make the right decision here this year, then things are looking really, really good. And I'm I'm hopeful of that. If you sign Trevor's story, you got your shortstop position figured out, so you can afford to trade out Austin Martin. Uh, put Austin Martin in a deal for that's, Trevino and that's exactly right. Exactly. So uh, for Rory Smalley, this is Lavelle E. Neil the uh, Third. We're both here, and Jim Suan is not, but Jim should be with us next week, nice and tanned after his wonderful trip to Puerto Rico. Hope he brings me back some cigars. We'll find out if he brings back brings either me or Roy anything from Puerto Rico next week on the Chim Music Podcast. Take care. <laughs>